and welcome to The Golfing Mind, the podcast which looks at the game of golf in general and where possible we examine the mental game as it applies to the game of golf. This week, I thought a topic that would be interesting to talk about would be one which is keenly debated at golf clubs and in many discussions when golf is discussed. But before I do that, I would like to introduce my co-host. As always, I'm joined by the former East Lancashire under-14 long drive champion, a man who needs no introduction, but usually insists I give him one. He is a man from uh, Bolton. He plays scratch golf, and he is a fine fellow to spend time with, my good friend, uh, Mike Kershaw. Mike, good morning. Good morning, Robin. Another sunny day here in Surrey, ready for the golf courses, ready to be taken apart. So looking Which, forward uh, and my intellectual erudite, deep-thinking friend, uh, a man of whom it's been said, um, can string a sentence together on any subject at any time, Neil Faulkner. Good morning, Neil. Good morning, Robin. Uh, you look well. That's very kind of you to say. Uh, we, we record this video. We can see each other, as always, but you listeners can't. Uh, and the subject uh, we're going to talk about this morning is um, who is the greatest of all time, or as the... Uh, acronym goes who's the goat you know who's the greatest of all time and it's a subject which i think uh, you never get universal agreement on and the, it has been said you can only be the greatest of your era uh mike do you think there's any candidates for the greatest of all time that would sort of fit the bill as being someone that people would say yeah that that person probably has it well, the obvious one is Jack Nicklaus, isn't it? Because he's won more majors than anyone else. Whether he is actually as good a player or was as good a player, even in his peak, as some of the guys who are playing today, however, I think is is questionable. And, uh, you know, again, it's what, what's the criteria we're going to use? What 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 really should we be focusing on as as the, the 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 measurement of the greatest of all time. Is it number of majors? Is it number of tournaments won? Because Sam Snead won more tournaments, I think, than Jack Nicklaus did. Or is it is it um you know how they you know how they were for their for their their times? Because obviously Bobby Jones is the only one who's won all the tournament all the major tournaments that he could have won in in his era. And you of course will say Ben Hogan, because we know that. But it's uh, it's slightly you know it's slightly how we choose to define it. I mean, um, and I think that's the big that's the slight question mark that I'm interested to hear what Neil thinks. I I remember debating this quite frequently on the bus on the way to school when I was about twelve. <laughs> but 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 since but since since then not so much. I I don't think it's possible to. I think I don't think this question is 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 one you you, you can properly answer. Um, yes, Bobby Jones was the man that my father always talked about as the greatest golfer. Actually, he hadn't seen because uh, the year of my father's birth was the year that Bobby Jones gave up. His record, his story is is marvelous. Tiger Woods probably has a claim these days. Babe Saharis might have a claim. Oh yeah, yeah. I think if you. Well, I, I think let's try and get a criteria. We use majors historically as a measure of, of uh, I don't know if it's greatness or it's a, it's a measure of success. And I don't know if you can say, you know, I love that story that, you know, at the end of 1999, BBC television had a sports personality of the year contest. So it was, a, it was they're going to say who's the greatest athlete of the century. And um, it was uh, Muhammad Ali. 
Muhammad Ali, and they went live by link, satellite link to George Foreman. And they said to George Foreman, was um, was Muhammad Ali the greatest uh, of all time? And George Foreman said, if I'm honest with you, no, but he was the best. And I don't know if you're just splitting words there, but I like that. I mean, it's very hard, I agree, but I think the criteria should just be um, achievement. And I, I think for that point of view, I think Bobby Jones was great, certainly great, but and I don't know enough about his game to know where his weaknesses were. Nicholas, by his own admission, never was a great short game player. Jack would say he wasn't a great bunker player or a great short game player, and that was his weakness. And then you look at people like Gary Player, who had a great short game, a fantastic putter, great off the tee. Um, so I, I don't think if you put Nick Klaus, if you in a very pure sense, who's the greatest at the game? You know, the game is is hitting it you know, long way, uh, getting it on the green, holding putts as much as possible, going, making as many birdies as you can. I don't think Niklaus would 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 be anywhere near where the guys are today. You know, they they just simply now, what was it, McElroy at the US Open recently, averaging 338 off the tee. You know, that was unimaginable back in the day when Niklaus was playing, or indeed um, Bobby Jones or any of the others. It's a totally different game. The guys today are miles better. So in a pure sense, who's the best? It's probably the best guy now. Because it, the game is, you know, the quality of it. Um, uh, last night in the Travellers, well, Denny McCarthy shot 60, didn't he? They've, they've, got, they've got one one. 25 is the is the halfway stage 1500 to 62 63 now you know the, the guys back in the day in the 1970s 80s trevino and all the rest of it, they weren't they weren't shooting anywhere near that those scores are particularly on courses that are a lot shorter so you know the greatest right now probably of all there's ever been of golf is probably the guy who right now is is the number one golfer in the world which is scotty shetland so sounds weird but you know, if that, that's the question right now, it's him. Yeah, yeah but I suppose that's it. He's the best at it. He hasn't necessarily won as many majors as the others, but he is the best. But if you're a winner in one era, does that do you, do you do you sense that somebody will become a winner in in any era? Bobby Jones famously said of Nick Klaus, he plays a game with which I am unfamiliar. Yeah, and, and if I, Nick I, were around these days, then he would be. Would he not be a winner? He would be in the gym, presumably pumping iron the way the other guys are doing. He'd be playing with the best of the golf clubs and the best of the golf balls. Who knows? Don't know. I, I do wonder if uh, Boba Jones represents the last, the last of the halcyon days of the amateur code. You know, when you turn up at the club with a cigarette, having been out at night and not practiced. Uh, I think, you know, I do think you have outliers in the game. And I think Bobby Jones, in some ways, was an outlier. He was a phenomenally gifted individual. And I think he had a competitive spirit. You know, when I was a young boy, I was seven years of age at a golf course in uh, in Glasgow called Pollock Golf Club. And I was with my father, my late father. And there's an old fellow, and I can't remember his name. He was a Glasgow lawyer. And my father said, you see that guy there? I said, yeah, he goes, he beat Bobby Jones in the amateur championship in 1927 or 26 in the second round. And so that guy for the rest of his life dined out on that fact. So I think we're kind of getting slightly off topic here. My, my, my sort of thing is, you know, legacy. 
how will you be remembered by future generations? And if you take that criteria, there's only four players. There's Bobby Jones, there's Ben Hogan, there's Jack Nicholas, and there's Tiger Woods. Because I think okay. in a hundred and I think in a fifty years' time, people won't be talking about Scotty Scheffler or Rory McElroy as the greatest. And I think do you think that's a fair comment? They'll have been usurped by someone else then. Um very possibly. Uh, very possibly. There are, you know, there are era defining players in this game. And you've just named the four probably that are era defining. Um uh, unless someone now takes an enormous leap forward and 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 scoops up, you know, ten majors, then I think you've probably you've probably named the four. In most influential, um, it most highest impact sort of golfer for the game would probably have to be Tilt Tiger because of the way he totally transformed golf and he's transformed it. And the legacy of Tiger right now is the money that's in the game, the 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 focus on on physique and 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 um, uh, uh, you know building muscles and being in the gym and all that. That was basically him. He transformed that, um, uh, you know, and and I, and I think he's, yeah, he was such a landmark character. And also in terms of obviously diversity and, and opening the game up to a wider audience, uh, and, you know, different ethnicities and all the rest of it. I think I think his his impact on the game is almost unchallengeable. I'd agree with that. Don't agree with that. It's interesting. Gary Player was the first. These are matters of judgment, aren't they? If you can make the the same type of case for Bobby Jones, I mean, to remind people, Bobby Jones retired at the age of twenty eight. He'd won what for him were thirteen majors. He had in the last, I think, as a as an amateur in the last, I think it was the last six or seven years of British and US Opens he played in. I think his worst finish was maybe second. He went on, he went on after that to uh, establish the Augusta National Golf Club. And though he didn't uh, didn't call it that at the time, he established one of the four majors, which is significant. The Bobby Jones Award also goes to those who play the game fairly. And I don't think we should forget that actually the reason that golf has a strong reputation for fairness and integrity, which I think remains today, is because of Bobby Jones. Remember, famously, he 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 called himself for moving a ball in the trees when nobody saw him and was congratulated for that. To which he said, "You might as well, you might as well congratulate a man for not robbing a bank." And yeah. and these yeah. are the lessons that we all play golf by these days. I think so. That's a legacy. I, I fully admit that Tiger has uh, a a different, although equally compelling one. No, I agree. I think you're right, Neil. I think that uh, I think uh, that Nicholas. And essentially, I'm going to add someone to this list that you you may disagree with, but. Nicholas and Woods and Nick Faldo openly said they played for legacy. They played to be remembered as amongst the greats of the game, not to be the greatest amongst the greats. And I think that's quite true. Do you think players no longer play for legacy? Do you think a lot of, if you're on the tour and you're making three or $400,000 a year and you're in the top 20, six tournaments a year, that's enough for you? So I was talking to in my... A bit more than that, Robin, nowadays. It's maybe, if you're in the top 20, you are... 
you're making three, four, five million dollars a year now, and the rest that you know that is changed. Do I, do they play for legacy? Um, no, I don't think. I'm not sure they do. For legacy, I, I think you know. I, I think they 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 are professional athletes. They play to win. They play to, to be at the best of their possible ability for themselves. I'm not. I'm not sure that they're. They've got the same kind of ethos, perhaps, as the as as an older generation did. Um, but you know, that's how the game is evolving. And and you know, is it a better is it a better game now? Is it a, is it more valuable in terms of you know its contribution? Um, I think it probably is, and it's thanks to the thanks largely to those you know the woods initially maybe Bobby Jones. Yes, in terms, of, I, I take your point, Neil. Very well made. Um, but then, really, I think Woods is the one who's just who's just taken it to another level, and it's a massive global game now, played by millions of people of all of all ages and all ethnicities, and that's a marvelous thing. You know, I think uh, I think that's a good point. I mean, I do think you know it's interesting. I didn't Savvy Ballesteros once say of Sandy Lyle that if every golfer turned up and played their best golf at every tournament, that Sandy Lyle would win everything, and I'd be, he'd be second. And I suppose the notion he's suggesting is that Sandy Lyle was a great, great golfer, but it didn't translate into multiple majors. But he won the Open Championship and he won the Masters, and he did so before any other British player. And equally, Tiger Woods once said that only two players truly own their swings. You know, Ben Hogan, I don't know if I've ever mentioned him before, and a Canadian guy called Mo Norman. Have you heard of Mo Norman? Oh, yes. And uh, he gave clinics. My uncle saw him give a clinic, and he said he'd never seen a ball hit such a straight line with such distance control. But Mo Morgan had social anxiety. They think he was autistic, and therefore in tournaments he got very, very distressed by. But when he was an amateur in Canada, he used to turn up and say, what's the first prize? And he said, well, the first prize is a washing machine. He said, what's the second prize? He meant, well, the second prize is a uh, an outboard motor. And he went, okay. And he'd play for a sec. He'd he'd play to finish with the prize he wanted. If that's not great, nothing is. <laughs> okay, okay, great question. It's a good job, Robin. You're so keen on wooden spoons, isn't it? <laughs> oh, um, I, I, can I? Can Ooh. I just oh, ask another oh, question? Oh, that, that was a low blow. That, that's great. By the way, that is so ironic that you of all people should make that remark. If ever <laughs> there was a pot calling a kettle black, my friend. It is Neil <laughs> Woodenspoon Faulkner. Okay. <laughs> I think we are we are we are missing out a significant constituency here, aren't we? Which is Bobby Jones. Bobby Jones, I think, famously referred to Joyce Weathered as the greatest golfer he'd ever seen. Yeah, yeah. That's true. She was somebody who he was somebody who was a major figure in world golf, as as was Mickey Wright who established and developed the, the women's game, Babe Saharis, extraordinary athlete, somebody brought athleticism into the game, to the women's game, in the same way as Tiger did many, many years later. Can you make a case also European-wise for Annika Sorenstam doing the same thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, it's, here, here's a thought. Do you think... Can I just quit interrupt, Rob? Who is the mentalist, men, most mentally strong golfer there's ever been? Who do we think is, you know, because this is what one of the things we talk about on this podcast. It's about it's about how you deal with pressure, how strong you are mentally. Who do you think is it? Is it automatic that if they've won, they are the mentally strongest? Or do you think there are people who perhaps have 
you know, have been able to deal with pressure better than others. Uh, I think Nicholas, for me, hands down, Jack Nicholas. Yeah, I, I, I well, and, and to a degree, you could, you could say the same with Woods, an ability to pull a shot out at a time. Almost I agree, I agree with happen, Willing it to happen. And, you know, Nicholas was just, for many of the listeners won't, won't, won't kind of have seen Jack Nicholas, even on telly in his prime. But he had that uncanny ability to to produce the shot at exactly the moment when he needed to and and almost intimidate the opposition into collapse. And Woods did that in his pomp, no question. But so, I would make one you know, caveat. Yeah, they're all good. Even now they're all good, amazingly good. But there are some who come to the top because they their mental game is so strong. Would you well, I would add one caveat to that. If you look at the, the record of Nicholas and the record of Woods, Nicholas won majors from every scenario. When he was leading the tournament, when he was one behind or two behind, he could get it, get the job done. Historically, Woods was always in the lead going into the final round when he won his majors. He wasn't great at coming from behind for some reason. Um, no. Now, is that a mental flaw? I don't know. But I think Nicholas, he won um, in the most extraordinary circumstances. Uh, and he and he won. If you look at the famous seventy-seven duel in the sun, um, he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tom Watson for thirty-six holes. They both shot a sixty-five in the third round, I think. I mean, and that was back in the day when the one arm was like a butter knife, and you know the technology wasn't where it is today. Um, so I, I, you know, I think it's uh, I would for my money, Nicholas Neil. Who's your money on? There was there was a pro tournament. It wasn't a major where Nick Klaus finished with five birdies to beat his playing partner who was a young pro by one shot and everyone was commiserating with the young pro afterwards and said look you were playing with jack and he was playing this extraordinary golf down the stretch what, what did you say anything to him he said yes i did say things to him i said um good shot good shot good shot good shot good shot Oh dear! Well, is it harder mentally? Is it hard? Does does Woods winning from the front is that harder or easier than than coming from the back? I I would argue that winning from the front mentally is more difficult than coming from behind to get to to, to pip someone at the post like maybe like Jack did. Woods Woods was so resilient at, at, to to the pressure. That he would, that others would have been putting on him, that he was able to sometimes not just win, but extend his lead and just leave the field in in his wake. Uh, I I actually, does say mentally, you know, in terms of the greatest mental golfer of all time, I think you've got to say Woods in his pomp, he had something unbelievable. Well, I would argue that. When he got to the top of the leaderboard, the rest of the field saw that name on the top of the leaderboard and they beat themselves. They thought well, we were going to catch this guy. Well, there you go. Mentally, you know, he had a, he, he was all over him. Okay, quick question. Moving along. There is, a, le, le, there is a documentary on, on I think, Sky at the moment, or has been for a number of years now, probably, about the Glen Eagles Solheim Cup. Oh, uh, yeah. Which had a famous dramatic finish. And I, I suggest people watch that it's it's very interesting uh 
listening to Suzanne Pettersson talking about coming down the stretch. Now, she has huge form in this competition because she, I think, won the last three holes against Michelle Wee 10 years ago or so in the Solheim Cup in Ireland. I can't remember quite where it was played in Ireland, but she, I think, buddied the last three holes to help win the Solheim Cup then. She did pretty much the same thing at Glen Eagles. And the way she talks about it demonstrates a mental toughness that I think we can only dream of, really. Her ability to stay in the zone and to know exactly what she was doing down that last hole to win is is extraordinary. But that's your Scandinavian ice-cool blood in the veins, Neil. That's your Scandinavian cold logic and detachment from emotion. Uh, that Bjorn Borg had, and you see it. And I mean, Stenson, when he played against um, Mickelson in the final round, it was at Troon. Um, you know, he just didn't crack. He didn't crack. No, well, it's interesting because you're getting into these match play, uh, ma- match play yeah. scenarios here, aren't we? You know, in the Solheim Club, clearly, is a, there's a different mentality, as we all know, to to chasing an individual down to win in a match than there is to win a tournament. Uh, so that might be another interesting criteria. Four greatest of all time. Who were the best match players? And again, I think uh, Nick Klaus won the world match play several times. Um, Woods Woods obviously won the amateur, which were the, the US amateur and the um, three times boys. And or he, he was again legendarily good at match play as an amateur. But to be honest, his Ryder Cup record isn't very good. Um. You know, again, your greatest all-time you ought to be best at all the different types of golf, formats of golf. Okay, um, before and, before and we... I, I would, uh, you can make a case. You can make a case on all sorts of levels for this. If if you were if you were saying the greatest golfer was somebody with the greatest style or panache, you could make a case for Palmer, Ballesteros, possibly Hagen, Walter Hagen. If you were looking at people with dignity and charisma, maybe you'd go for... Bobby Jones, Tom Watson, Annika Sorenstam, technical genius. Anyone to add in that category, Robin? Maybe Faldo as well? Yeah, I think Faldo technically was just a a, a very good golfer. I would also say that, you know, Bernard Langer technically just as, you know, people forget how good a golfer Bernard Langer was and still is at 66 years of age. And the rest, he's older than 66, I think. Well... No, I'm going to move us along. No, amazing. I, I personally, Brian Harmon, he's the guy for me. <laughs> well, there was a, there was this kid that won the East Lancashire under 14 long drive contest back in the day, and he was tipped. He was tipped. Whatever happened to him? He, he just, was good. He okay, was good. moving along, just a couple of quick questions before we wrap up. Do you think you need a long career to be considered one of the greats, or can you shine brightly briefly? You know, I'm thinking of people like Tony Lima, Champion Tony, who was great and then died in an air crash. Um, do you think longevity is a key part of greatness, Neil? I think there must be an element to that. I mean, that said, Bobby, what, well, Bobby Jones, what was he? He won his first major to his last major in seven years and then retired uh, to make to make some money, to make a career in, in the law. Um, if you look at, if you... Uh, Harrington was it Parring Harrington who said, "Look, most golfers have eighteen months of really top of the game play in them," and and Harrington made the best of that, didn't he? Four he majors. won three majors in that period. Three or four. You know, one does wonder whether Scotty Scheffler, given 
given perhaps the um his his swing and how many moving parts there are in it you wonder whether scotty scheffler has a very long career in him don't know um good luck to him for that. Is, right now scotty scheffler is for the last two i think it's 200 rounds he is four, 47 more under par than the second guy yes Right. I mean, he is he has had a ring at string of form through 2022-23 that is unbelievable in terms of number of scores he's had a, a, under par. It's extraordinary. Yeah, I know. No one has ever done that in history. I, I think that the actual scoring now that the, these guys are delivering versus par will be way, 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 way better than than the guys uh, historical. Byron it, Nelson. Byron Nelson. I, agree with you. I was going to say that Byron Nelson and Byron Nelson. If you ever get a chance, go on YouTube and look at Byron Nelson swinging a golf ball. His head moves. It moves a good ten to twelve inches during the swing. It bolt. You've never seen anything like it. There's. But he won eleven tournaments in a row, didn't he? I know, I know. It's just it's, it's Billy Bonkers. And the PGA tournaments in a row. I mean, that again goes back to what Neil was saying about you know maybe just for for mo for periods of of their careers they are unstoppable and then they they fade. But the, the great thing about Nicholas, and to a slightly lesser degree, I suppose Woods, is that he was he you know he he he, he won his first major in sixty five. And he won his exactly. last year in 86. So, that's what, yeah. I mean, moving on a little bit, what uh, do you think the greats have in common other than winning? Is there anything we can learn from them? Uh, how they conduct themselves? Uh, how they, I mean, in next week's podcast, we're going to talk about practice. Do you think they practice more? Do you think they are? Well, Nicholas didn't practice particularly, did he? No, no. I mean, he wasn't a great practicer. So, so again, he, you know, I think, I think it's the, it's their mental, their mental resilience, uh, you know, that, that is really standing them apart. Yeah, I, I would argue, and I mean, I don't know if you think, Neil, I think their sheer will to win was just somehow greater a force in their life uh, that carried through to everything they did on and off the golf course. I mean, you look at Greg Norman, who we haven't mentioned. Greg Norman's will to win in business has been quite phenomenal. His will to win... When he went in, but fishing, Nicholas was the same. Their will to win on and off the course is just incredibly powerful. And I think that's something that I would say to my clients and other people you know, you have to want to win so badly that it actually gets rid of the fear, it gets rid of the um, uh, negative thinking. You just become so focused. And how often, Mike, have you been playing or Neil in a match play and you're two down with four or five to go and you suddenly go, come on, let's. Come on, let's get it done. And you you dig it out. Well, maybe not you, Neil, but Mike, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That happens to me all the time. It did the other day, actually. I played playing in a in a in a match, course match. Three down with four to play. Oh wow. Won the game. Sometimes it happens. I wouldn't say it's the I wouldn't necessarily say it's the massive will to win that gets it. It's just uh you Momentum. know it, maybe you just get lucky. Well, that's why you, you come back. You come back to Nicholas and saying, "Would Nicholas be competitive today?" I think that will to win is is something that people have and is enduring. And if you were to put him in a setting today, that he would be at the top of the game. That might have interest. I mean, the other thing, just uh, you were talking about Bobby Jones. How many people were actually playing 
golf at a high level and Bobby Jones was winning all this stuff. How many? I, 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 I don't know. Hundreds of thousands, maybe, you know, but not that many because it was a it was a game for a, a certain kind of, if you like, social social strata. Then then it was it was more popular in the 70s and 80s when and, and when Nicholas was there. But it's still in terms of the number of people playing kids growing up, the system that they were going through, there weren't that many. This now, is great. Yes. Guys today are beating literally millions of Certainly, certainly tens and tens of thousands of professional golfers, um, all of whom are, uh, you know, have had the had this had the chance and the coaching, all the rest of it. So, in terms of to pure numbers, you've got to say that the guys today, relative to the, the, the their market, if you like, are are better. Okay, well, moving before we wrap up, um, you know, this conversation, this um, question, must be one of the most asked questions in golf of golfers, and it is. If you're asked to pick your dream four ball, based that we've talked about the greats of the game, who would be your dream four ball based on greats of the game? So I know I always say when people say who's your dream four ball, it just it's be three great friends of mine. Um, sadly, you're not in the no, sorry, Mark. It's uh, Sean McDonald. Big shout out to Sean McDonald, Mark Ritchie, and Matt Barr because they're just great fun. Of whatever happens, um, and also you and Neil would be in the the next four ball. You know that, but in the Game of Legends, who would be your pick, Mike, from the great... Well, firstly, just to be clear, you will not be in my four ball. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't be my top ten for... Anyway, no, of course you would, probably. <laughs> well, maybe just... Um, uh, mine would be... Uh, mine would be Sevi. Why? Now, justify each player. Just explain oh, why. I, just, I would have just loved to watch that. I mean, I did watch him as a... You know, watch him play. He had just the most wonderful cavalier just brilliant approach to the game and such gorgeous um soft hands for the short game which is a, an area that that i just I, I love watching people who can do magic uh around the greens and i also just thought he was just such an incredibly charismatic individual and i think that's probably what i would i would go for i would go for the charisma guy so i would probably put palmer in there so he must have been an extraordinary extraordinary individual as well just and and i would have loved again for similar reasons to play with lee trevino because lee trevino had the most extraordinary kind of made up swing he got it round and he was a laugh you know i remember watching him joking and laughing all the way around and playing in the open you know he could hardly be more contrasting to some of these relatively faceless um uh, American, but very talented American players playing on the PGA. Oh, Trevino, Trevino, Ballesteros, Palmer, and me. What a dream team. Dream team. And by the way, who would you want as your partner? Probably Sevi, I think. <laughs> I think that'd be Talk good. Talk about will to win. I mean, there's another guy who just... Sure, sure. He That's just had that absolute steal in uh, from a very young age. And what a what a guy. Neil, you're a four-ball. Jackie Charlton, you remember Jackie Charlton, the footballer? Yeah. He he managed Ireland for some years and was very popular in managing Ireland and got them to the quarterfinal of the uh, the World Cup at football. And somebody said to him at, at that point, listen, Jackie, you could go all the way here. And who would you who would you like to play in the final? Is it Brazil? Is it Italy? Is it Germany? He said, No, if if we get to the final, I'd like to be playing Andorra. 
because we've got the <laughs> best chance of winning against Andorra rather than these others. So who, whichever the legends is not playing well at the time is who I'd like to play against. <laughs> who, who would I who would I go for? I I, I uh, the 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 hero my, my hero as a as a as a as a young boy was was always Tom Watson and I love watching Tom Watson. Oh yeah, we haven't mentioned um, him. That's strange, isn't it? Much in the same style, Bobby Jones. I take Bobby Jones, and then I think for a, an element of flamboyance, somebody another amateur. I'd go for Joe Carr. I think Joe Carr would be great fun to play with. Yeah. No, that's a good good call. Um, Irish, yeah, you would. I would. I would. Um, curiously, I picked one of you. One of your players will be in my dream four ball. So mine will be obviously um, ben. ben Hogan. But you know, Victor Hovland. No, no. Well, actually, no. You Brian Harmon. Come on, come on. You admit you want to play with Brian Harmon. No, 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 no. Listen, um, I used to say. Hogan, but it's no longer Hogan because I just think he'd be so irritated by me. Yeah, I think he'd just, and he wouldn't talk to me on the way around. So even though you're watching his game, he'd go, hey kid, what do you look at? And then he'd flick a cigarette at me and hit me in the eye. So that would be that. So it would be Provino, because I think he'd be just great to watch him get the ball around the cross. I think he'd be good company, good chatty. Here's my surprise pick. Padraig Harrington. I think there's a guy who would have a lot of time for you and you could learn a lot from playing with him. And I've I've forgiven Ben Hogan. I'd let Ben Hogan back in as long as he doesn't smoke and flick cigarettes at me. Um, so that's that. Who have we left out? We've left out we've left out Walter Hagen. We've we have. Out. We have. We Sam have. Sneed. Sam Sneed's not in there. No. Rory is not in there. No. If you look at the amateur game, we haven't got Michael Benalek in there. Nancy Lopez. Right. Well, you can all be greatest of all time, can you? Right. So before we have to get definitively give our personal picks, one final question for us to discuss. If we were to design a player to rule the world for the next 10 years uh, and they were they would be a composite of other players, who would be your composite player? So mine would have the driving skills of McElroy, the putting skills of Spieth, uh, the short game of Scheffler and the irons of um, Brooks Kepka. That would be my composite player. What do you think? I, I can't really argue with those. I mean, you've probably just gone through the putting and bunker skills of Gary Player, right? Or Matt Kuchar. You've gone through the current leaders in all of those categories. Um, I would probably go for the driving of woods, um, iron play of Ballesteros. Uh, I kind of have the same player. I'd have the chipping of Ballesteros as well. Yeah, okay. And uh, and and probably the 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 putting of Nick Claps because he was under pressure was a phenomenally good putter. Uh, and the bunker player, Gary Player, clearly. Neil, you'd put. Would you put Billy Foster on the bag? Yeah, good call. That's Caddy. Whose head would you have? Would you have would you have Jordan Spieth's head or would you have would you have Ian Poulter's head? He's a competitive man. Oh, very competitive. I mean very, very competitive, but I'm not sure his tactics in, in stroke play have demonstrated his ability to get it done. Well, that's why we're talking about composite characters, isn't it? True, I guess. <laughs> 
no, but it, that anyway. is kind of the point, Rob, right? Well, no, hold on a second. No, I don't your question. I don't, no, Paul's out as a great mentor. No, but his mental approach to the game, I think, in match play, Ryder Cup is where it shines, but I don't know if that's been proven elsewhere. So quickly before we wrap up, Neil. What are yours? Mine. I thought I'd given you mine. No, you just said Poulter's Billy head. Foster. Billy Foster. Uh, I'm going to put I'm going to put Rory's long game. Uh, Jordan Spieth's head. I don't know. Um, Tom Watson's putting at its very best. And what about, what about my iron play? Your your iron play. We could we could go through. There is there is that game people play, which is the 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 composite best and the composite worst, isn't it? Okay, so let's my, just, my well, composite worst is okay, you, wait, we can, you we off can the listen. tee, Robin. Your short game. Yes. Your you know this admiration and flattery comes often in in in, in forms you wouldn't <laughs> expect, and this is a great tribute to me. There, you think they're making fun of me, they're they're praising me. Yeah, uh, well, fine. listen, I think I think we, that we've exhausted the not exhausted. We've looked at the subject. I'm going to give you my pick, who I think is the greatest of all time, and I'm going to go for uh, Tiger Woods. That's got to be my, and it's an easy pick, I guess. But I think what he's done, his records, I don't think it's going to be beaten in terms of um, his influence on the game. And second would be Jack Nicholas, very close behind him. Mike? Uh, there's nothing controversial there, is there really? Not really. No. <laughs> ooh. Okay, ooh. Yeah. Okay. No, who, yeah. Who, okay. Who are your picks? Uh, Eric Brown and uh, uh, Brian Harmon. Right. Uh, no, I, I it, look. I, I I think the reason you you've landed on those two is those are the two. <laughs> so I would I would have been saying the same. I, I think probably um, Tiger is the man for me. And Neil, finally, I've lost the will to live. <laughs> oh, okay. Bobby Jones is what Neil's saying. Uh, Bob, yeah, but the illegitimate Machado, Bobby Jones, and uh, um, Joyce Weathered. Okay, that's it for this week. We hope uh, you may agree or disagree with some of our choices. As always, if you're interested in learning more about the mental game of golf, please go to seagagolf.com where there's a, a selection of online courses you can explore. Uh, but until we meet again, uh, have a wonderful week. Play good golf wherever you are and take care. All the best. <laughs>